Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Stick Together is produced on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and recognise the ongoing struggle for land, justice and peace for Aboriginal people. Hello listeners, I'm James Brennan and you're listening to Stick Together, the only national radio program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. And thanks for listening, wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in. And as I said, my name is James, and you'll hear on this week's episode, The Voice of Jackson. And we are both really excited to join the Stick Together program and look forward to bringing you stories from right across the country. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Mercedes, a hospitality worker, about HOSPO Voice 2.0, a new type of union membership, while Jackson is interviewing Renuka, who was casually employed to roll out the COVID-19 vaccine in, in aged care. Now let's begin with some union news. Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced this week changes to emergency payments for those impacted by lockdowns. Uh, there'll be some waiving of the $10,000 in liquid assets that people need to show. The payment gives people who would have worked more than 20 hours in the week of a lockdown $500, and those who have worked fewer than 20 hours $325. On the 1st of July, the superannuation guarantee rate rose from 9.5% to 10%, and workers across the country should see an increase on their payslips to their super fund. Some large publicly listed companies, including AGL, Telstra, Macquarie Group and ANZ, are among employers that are asking some of their staff to use their own money to fund the increase. Workers have employment contracts that either state their super should be paid on top of their base salary or that it is included in part of their package. As some workers and unions are concerned about the possibility of workers having to pay for this increase themselves. The United Workers' Union has made submissions to the Fair Work Commission. The submissions were made in response to a process initiated by former Attorney General Christian Porter to modify some awards. In response, UWU members met throughout the process as the proposals took shape and after the Commission expressed its provisional support for the changes. The entire workforce at Annette Kellerman Aquatic Centre in Sydney's Inner West has been stood down without pay for the duration of the Sydney lockdown. The workers are employed by the Belgravia Leisure, which operates the Enmore-based aquatic and fitness facility. On July 9, workers at Kapuka Army Base will begin strike action after negotiations have failed to secure fair conditions and wages after two years of bargaining. The workers, which are employed by a defence subcontractor Downer, 
undertake various roles at the base, including firefighting, operating uh, the firing range, groundskeeping, and cleaning. Despite the COVID-19 pandemic, Downer's facilities um, spotless still recorded $62.5 million in revenue, according to the company's half-yearly results. In international news, thousands of energy workers in cities across Turkey have gone on wildcat strikes, and automotive workers across the United States and in South Korea have taken industrial action against Volvo in the United States and Hyundai and General Motors in South Korea. And that's all we've got uh, in union news this week. Uh, please stick around. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio, coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. You know, perhaps through this week, you might have seen there was a couple of changes to the HOSPO Voice Union. And hospitality sector is certainly one where workers are constantly kind of battling for their own rights and their own issues. And on today's show, Stick Together, we're lucky to be joined by long-term hospitality worker and student, Mercedes. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on the show. I wondered if maybe you could share some of your experience of what it's like working in hospitality. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a, as you said, I've been working in hospitality for about 15 years um, since I was a teenager. And I suppose, you know, you go through a, a, in many facets of the industry um, that I've worked in. So you, there are definitely, um, as much as I enjoy the work, you know, there is a constant battle about um, finding a place where you are actually looked after, where your rights as a worker are um, respected. Um, and by and large, in my experience, that's been pretty rare, especially as a young person, you do just become much more susceptible to to being a target of wage theft, um, sexual harassment, and also having the um, ability or, or the knowledge or to be able to stand up for yourself in those situations. Yeah, and I, and I guess, you know, I think Hospo Voice has been able to come in. And before we kind of get into a little bit more of your experience and, and some of your thoughts of the changes. I'm just going to play a little clip from the Hospo Voice website that talks about how they initially brought together some of these issues of, of wage theft and other issues for hospitality workers together in the union. Now you can have the power in your pocket to turn the tables on dodgy bosses with Mobilize. Mobilize is a smartphone app designed by the Hospo Voice Union to help Hospo workers. You'll not only be supporting the movement to turn the tables and make sure we're all getting treated fairly, you'll also get full access to powerful tools, including fast, reliable advice from our Mobilise bot, as well as real-life human Mobilise experts about your rights at work. Find your correct pay rates with Paychecker. Get reminders to record your hours for future proof. Log incidents when they happen. Get the latest Hospo Voice news. See thousands of venue reviews by Hospo workers like you. When we mobilise together, nothing can stop us. Well, unfortunately, this being an audio platform, the listeners are missing out on the futuristic graphics there by uh, the Hospo <laughs> Voice Union. And Mercedes, like in your experience as a hospitality worker, are some of those things, are they... Um, are they devices? Are they <clears throat> programs that you've used yourself? 
Um, yeah, definitely. Um, what, you know, some of the campaigns that Hospital Voice has run, but also, you know, with Mobilise, Fair Plate, um, um, you know, I used to work in a pretty seasonal, uh, in, a, in an area that was quite seasonal um, with high rotation of staff. And so the Fair Plate uh, app was, I found really, really helpful in terms of when I was looking for work, just to sort of see what sort of place you're walking into. Um, and whether you know you you paid award wages, how they treat their staff, and I think that's that is probably the most helpful for me um, has been. And I, I think that it's important through the mobilize you know with the mobilize app that all of that information is is there. Uh, it's really important that that this is exists and is accessible. Mm. Well, let's move on uh, to what has been announced earlier this week, and that is the Hospo Voice 2.0. Now, the way that this is presented as, you know, I think uh, fittingly, I thought it would be interesting for us to look at it on the screen here. And this looks like um, I've logged into Netflix, uh, but it is not. This is the Hospo Voice uh, sign, uh, join now page of hospovoice.org.au. Uh, you can get a basic membership for $9 a month. And I think this was a, a really important step for hospitality workers with this low price that came in uh, I think it was even lowered uh, at the start of the pandemic. And that meant that, you know, workers were able to, they were casualized, they were losing work, they were able to join and still um, be a part of the union. They were able to access some of the things that Mercedes just spoke about and they were able to be connected to uh, their fellow workers. So that's the a, that's a basic, the standard one is $29 per month. And that includes everything, um, you know, that's access to the online support, uh, to the bot um, support, as was mentioned in the ad before. Uh, but this one, the $29 also includes some extra training uh, facilities um, uh, and access to um, online support. So you actually are able to speak to somebody for that, that price. Or the $79 per month is the um, highest one. And so you have unlimited access to employment rights team, personalized support to win back your unpaid wages, access to mental health support, uh, and everything else that's in the other two. And I think, you know, if you look at those things all together, there's some fantastic uh, things that the union is displaying of what they want to talk about and what they want unionism to be about as well. And I, I think, you know, that that's it's interesting and, and, and I think positive to see that as a step away from, you know, discounts and uh, just, you know, discounted movie tickets and, and things like that. But as a, as a hospitality worker, Sadies, what did you make of this new tiered uh, membership service? Look, I'm pretty unhappy about it. Um, I think that to me it, it appears like really classist in a way because I think that it prices people out of their capacity to get union support, um, which for me what a union is is that it is regardless of your situation or your, of, or your um, capacity that you are supported and able to be supported. And I feel like the, this new tiered system sort of gives you support based on your fight, like how much that you can pay. And so it becomes about what your membership, whether you are supported in the way that you need to be supported. And I think particularly um, it's a bit of a sore point as well, you know, with COVID last year, um, my situation, I was unemployed. I didn't have JobKeeper. Um so, you know, if I was to be paying $29 or $79 a month for union fees, it's, 
it's definitely priced me out in my personal situation at the moment. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people in a similar situation when we're talking about dealing with things like wage theft coming out of a pandemic where so many people, you know, a two-week lockdown a couple of weeks ago where casual workers were really left with nothing, you know, in terms mm. of in, in the first week at least until a disaster payment, which is also, you know, um, whether that was enough to, to cover people's rent and food for a week is is unsure. So I think timing-wise, um, I can see, but, yeah, I, I feel like it makes the union inaccessible to everybody to get support. Um, and I think that is it's kind of sad, really, because I think it's sort of, it's for me, that's what I don't, that's not what a union is. And is it is it something that has come up at your workplace that, um, with your workers is something that, that you've all spoken about or, you know, something that being a part of the union itself, you know, how do those conversations come up through your work yeah definitely so I've spoken with my colleagues about the changes um and they all pretty much feel the same as I do you know kind of that that it is a ridiculous shift and um and dis in disappointed you know because all of my workers you know we we respect the rule workplace as well so you know our uh, workplace gets on board with all of the um, HOSPO voice campaigns um, in, is what is happening. So, you know, everybody in my workplace is encouraged to to join the union. You know, as you said, it's important to highlight that this doesn't mean, hopefully doesn't mean that the HOSPO voice union is now inaccessible um, mm-hmm. because they have done some really good work, some really, run some really successful campaigns, um, develop tools for people to be able to access when they need them um and how they need them as well i think that's sort of been kind of helpful and and develop things that just didn't exist in the industry before you know like fair plate and you know like the um personalized uh incident reports and these sort of things like these are really um important things for people to have access to on a personal level not just kind of through the mechanism of their workplaces well unfortunately that's all we've got time for today on stick together But Mercedes, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience as a worker and finding out a little bit more about Hospo Voice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Hi, Jackson McInerney here, and I'm very excited to be contributing to this wonderful program, Stick Together. Now, we are bombarded every day with stories about the pandemic and, increasingly, the botched vaccine rollout. Today, we speak directly to one of the thousands of casual workers with first-hand experience of this process, which will give us a better idea of how it's working outside of the endless political point scoring and spin. Okay, I'm here with Renika, who's been working rolling out the vaccine in an aged care setting. Um, maybe first of all, Renika, could you tell us who, who your employer was to do this work and whether they provided you with a vaccination before you started working in this space? Uh, for the rollout program, I'm working with Healthcare Australia and I got my vaccine once I get into that uh, after doing a couple of saved. So you'd actually worked vaccinating people or working with people who were not yet vaccinated in the aged care setting. You started work before being vaccinated. And, and who vaccinated you? Uh, one of the immunization nurse uh, in my seat, she vaccinated me. I think it's on fourth or fifth shift I get vaccinated. Because initially the thing is that um, wh- whether we are working with the 
uh, facility, there are number, lots of uh, residents, but we don't have a sufficient vaccine at that time. And sometimes if, we, uh, if the HQ facility booked for, uh, for 50, 60 people and we just got two, three vials, that one vial equal to six doses, 18, 20, and we need to stop in the middle of the um, work because we don't have any vaccine and how to work. On that way, it's, it's feel overwhelmed as well to previously and later and when those dose became available i get vaccinated so you're saying that you'd often like have a list of people or a, a facility that you would visit you visited lots of different facilities and you would know that there were say 160 people in the facility that needed to be vaccinated but you would only have enough to do 80 uh, and you had to wait until a day when you had surplus vaccine for you yourself the worker to be vaccinated uh, yeah exactly um uh, i started my first shift with the whole throne facility and over there they uh, the policy with the sc is that once you go to the first shift you need to get the dose and i was expecting same and over there they they booked six around 60 residents and unfortunately we only got 40 uh, 40 doses and it's not enough for themselves how could i get a vaccine because our uh, SC rule is first resident, then healthcare uh, Australia is staff, then after only that age care is staff on that, they categorize that one. And yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about the training that you received to work in the vaccine rollout? I know that your job was mainly like administration and facilitating uh, people through the system and then the immunization nurse would administer the dose. Yeah, could you tell me a little bit about your education and what training you got uh, before starting in this role? Uh, I completed my Master of Public Health from Australian Catholic in- uh, University. This vaccination program, uh, once I get uh, contacted by the Healthcare Australia, they asked me to do a couple of online trading, um, online training. So these are like uh, online training modules, like slideshows? Yes. Uh, they asked me to different online modules like the COVID infection control training, emergency procedure and fire safety training, hand hygiene training, and, and as the org, org orientation module, the startup training they asked me to do and I did it online and regarding to my roles and responsibility and uh, duties that they didn't provide any face-to-face orientation or something like that they just gave me a couple of slides and how and yeah I gone through the side but but when I go for, for the saved I was totally blanked what to do and uh, I told the immunization nurse uh, she's the head of the clinic I told her uh, it's my first day and I even don't have idea what to do how it works and she helped me so much she taught me how to go to uh, open this clinic station how to set up the plugger and how to enter the data uh, of the vaccine uh, residents into the plugger system mm-hmm. and she shows me two three uh, in work that's consent form later and I copied her and I did it on that day and for a couple of days I feel so overwhelmed because I'm not used to with that one and uh, later on <laughs> I did it <laughs> yeah once I got used to that I make my uh, a plan and how it's easy for me and to finish the thing within a time mm. yes I did on that way I did it 
So essentially you were kind of dropped into this situation where you don't have enough of the vaccine that you're giving out. You've probably got a lot of uh, both residents and staff inside the centres that are quite stressed about the whole process because they might be nervous considering the mixed information. What was the working environment like? Was it a, a high stress environment the, the whole time? Actually, uh, with the aged care facility, the thing is that um, the aged care facility contact with um, our uh, organization and the organization detail, give detailed information uh, about how it works and they need to fill up the cons- this all or the organization give the detail but that detail is somehow it's passed to the resident or some in some region they don't or some of the resident don't know and uh, for the uh, once we start the clinic uh, if the vaccine is ar- arrived on time and we go through it no one that get aggressive or distress or something like that because it's a, a flow and um healthcare residents, healthcare uh, facility member, uh, that's person, registered nurse, and other p- people who work in healthcare, I found them them very helpful during this process because uh, going to the healthcare facility, who even don't know who the people are, they give the informed consent, and we, it's really hard for us to identify the each and every individual by saying that because we we've been there for the first times and. Uh, that's why uh, HQ facility member help us show much and keep uh, keep um, that uh, flow of the patients on really good way. But if there is no vaccine arrived and it take time for the for a vaccine arrival, people are waiting from the morning because uh, that's. Um, a clinic supposed to be start at 8 a.m. and people were already informed that uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. there should be, there is the vaccination program and people are waiting and they get so stressed especially with the resident they miss their uh, regular routine because of the waiting and in some region I feel so hard to explain them um, once uh, that if the uh, everything is on the way, I feel it's not that much stressful. Mm. If the vaccine is there, every uh, facility, every equipment is all, uh, already set up, I didn't find that much um, stressful because all the facility members help us so much. How common was it that you would arrive and the vaccine wouldn't be there? How often did that happen? Initially, oh, I start working from last, I think, last week of April, and at that time, it's re- uh, that was very common. I wa- we uh, reached the facility at eight a.m. and sometime vaccine vaccine arrived at ten thirty. 11 and because uh, the transmission DSS d- delivery time is once in one is eight if it's not arrived at eight it goes to 10 and it's not come at 10 it goes to 12 and that way uh, one day we w- we wait up to three and a half hour we already set up people are waiting for their for to get vaccinated to roll up their arms because uh, 
yeah people are all aware that they want that vaccine the mm. thing that the thing is real that I, I found is really good we need not to explain much because they said i don't like to um, i don't like this nasty virus i want to get vaccinated that's a positive thing i found in hk yeah and they are really happy to have it so there's no yeah uh, vaccine you know nervousness or, or anxiety. People are ready to have the vaccine if if it is there. Can can I ask you know you've described a bit about the tension between you know your agency coming in as an outside group and not knowing all the residents in the centre and having to lean on the local staff and it makes me think from a procedural point of view if it might have been easier to train the local staff to vaccinate their uh, their residents but I suppose the other interesting thing about this work is that you know you're hired as a as a casual worker you know you've described having not a huge amount of training kind of learning on the job when you get there was there any discussion you know if something were to happen like the experience of waiting three and a half hours for a vaccine were you given any information about how to speak to a union or, or speak to someone who could represent you like I know that that recently there were lots of shifts in aged care and now the federal government has pivoted to disability rollout and and my understanding is you're being told that because you haven't done that before there's there's not as many shifts in that space have they given you any info about you know some industrial support not really even Honestly telling, uh, I just uh, know that operational team, uh, if something missing, uh, we need to call them to get it saved. And we don't uh, uh, are allocated or connected with any union bodies for that because we are casual and we even don't know. Mm. Yeah, that side of things, I don't know. So no one's ever come to your workplace and said, we are your union? No one's up. No, there is one uh, team leader, uh, Asmarana Trashi, I know her, and she's the team leader, she's organizing the thing. And if there is any issue or something like this, we need to contact with uh, COVID uh, op- operation teams, but no one come to that. If something happened, that's the union, that sort of thing. It, it doesn't work, I think, mm-hmm. with the healthcare, with the, that rollout program. So now you're, you currently don't have any shifts in the future and is there, have they told you if there will be more work or are they being clear about you know, what the next steps are if you, if you want to keep working in this space? Yeah, actually, a week ago, I contacted them uh, and they told me that they are uh, rolling out a vaccination program in disability center and they even don't know when it will will start and the, there is no clear cut uh, time frame to start that rollout the the government is pushing uh, that um, rollout uh, back i don't know the clear cut reason but at i heard from mouth of others it's lack of vaccination the couple of uh, days ago i again rang them i told them i'm a casual i'm i'm working only that job and i can't wait that much because uh it's not ethical as well just um waiting the shift to get through and being a migrant, it's it's really hard for us to survive in Australia. And yeah, I feel so little bit bad about that. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I just uh, waiting for the response from them. Let's see. 
and yeah, they told me that they're gonna give more information about that one but up to date i haven't got any well thank you very much for your time today and thank you for your work in vaccinating so many uh, vulnerable members of our community thank you so much <laughs> that was frontline casual worker renica and hopefully her patience perseverance and good humor lands her plenty of well-supported work long into the future Surely one good turn deserves another. Stick Together is produced in the 3CR studios in Melbourne and on Wiradjuri country and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377 and leaving a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. This has been Jackson McInerney and James Brennan for Stick Together. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.